see you today, and I want to talk to you about, we've been doing the love day, but I want to talk to you today about the pursuit. And last year, or two years ago, I did the pursuit in the area of marriage, and I think I'm going to do marriage again next year as we're almost there, but the pursuit, and it, it helped a lot of marriages about continue chasing after your wife or your husband, continue keeping it fresh, and you know, as we're doing the love dare, the same thing about pursuing God, and I looked up the definition of the word pursuit, and you, you could look it up in your dictionary too, and, and it started off with this, L listen to this, the pursuit to profit, and for, I stopped right there, the Bible says that a man's gift, that the Lord's given you gifts that you will profit thoroughly he wants to give you things that you profit and it talks about those who diligently he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him those who wholeheartedly seek him those who pursue him God wants to be pursued and it means to strive toward to strive toward to quest after to search to aim he's my goal my objective my dream my worthwhile pursuit it speaks of activity it's about, I, I, I want to find God. I want to know Him. And you know, so many times we think, and we're going to see the scripture in a minute by David. He said, the wisdom of God is infinite. It's beyond understanding. The book of Isaiah says, his, his thoughts are higher than ours and, and, and so much higher. And, and, and who can think the thoughts of God? And God is so huge. But yet at the same time, I, I just was sharing this about prophet and about pursuing Him. And it made me think, listen, God loves to be explored. I talk to hunters and they're going ahead of time and they're setting up their cameras, they're putting their deer's feet out, they're doing whatever they can to set up spots for the deer to come. They go exploring, they start looking for the tracks and signs, they, they look on the trees. They explore the area because they, they want to, they want to, they don't want to come back empty handed, they want to get something this year. And, and how many know, how many know, you want an eight point, anything below is not, not right. How many want more than an eight point? Come on, I'm just joking here. Amen. You want, anyway, listen, they explored. And I started thinking about, listen to this. Lewis and Clark, they explored all that was known as a new infinite wisdom uh, wilderness. They went through all that they did to get a translator and to get the boats. And they spent all that time taking notes, trying to explore an area that nobody's ever gone before. And others, or there's always those who are telling you, there's nothing else out there. You know it all. That's the problem with us Americans. We're not teachable because we know it all. We can Google. So we know it all. And I don't need anybody else to tell me anything. And you know, but so we get unteachable, so we stop exploring. We stop chasing. We stop pursuing. Well, I'm married now, so you know, uh, you know, he's mine, she's mine. I don't have to chase. I don't have to do this. I don't have to buy flowers. I don't have to do candy. I don't have to buy cards. It's a waste of my time. He's too picky. She's too picky. They're too needy. And we stop chasing them. And if you don't chase them, you don't encounter. And if you don't encounter, you become dull and lifeless. And it's like Charlie Pride used to, my mom and dad had the A-track of Charlie Pride. And he used to sing that song about that wooden Indian, Kalijah, I think it was. Kalijah. Y'all remember that song? Anyway, well, Kalijah was a wooden Indian standing by. I heard that song every day on the A-track. Y'all know what A-track is? Anybody remember? Just a wooden Indian. You kiss her goodnight because that's the thing to do. Raymond does it, so you do it. You know, we just do things, and, and we don't know why. And there's things about our Christian life. We don't know why we do what we do. And we just do things out of routines, and we just go along with the flow. But the thing about it is, are we pursuing him? 
Is it a drive within me? Do I want to explore God? Because the thing we learned about David, listen, the thing we learned about David is when we explore God, there's a shout for the finder. It's like with a hunter. Hey, I found one. Come on, I found a spot. You, they're excited to hear them. Hey, I found a place. We're going to go to this lease. We're going to join this lease. I heard that anybody who joins this lease is, is promised to get a deer. In fact, you're going to get two deer. In fact, you'll get your limit. This is the lease. And you go around. When you find what you've been looking for, hey, guess what I found? There's a shout for the finder who is an explorer. Look what I found. Look what I found out about God. Look what I found out about me. Now I understand. And it's so easy to get relaxed. It's so easy to get out of the pursuit of God. And, and, and I love that, that song by Third Day where they sing, Who is this King of glory who pursues me with his love? I need his love every day. I need God pursuing me. But I don't want to only want to live my life on the standard that he's pursuing me. I want to pursue him back because guess what? I'm a shouter when I find him and I, I, I experience him. But he's a shouter when he experiences me when I've gone to him. Amen. Who is this king of glory who pursues me with his love? Who haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken words? My conscience is a reminder of the forgiveness that I need. Who is this king of glory who offers it to me? Revealing things of heaven and all its mysteries. My spirit's ever longing. Say that with me. My spirit. Say it with your heart. My spirit. My mind. My heart is ever longing. I want you to think about that word. Longing. Longing. Like when you've gone a while and, and you're ready to eat and the line's backed up and you have no weight and you want to cut in line because you're so hungry. I'm longing. I have to have more of God. And one of the things that I've, I've found that they're telling us we need to speak up today because our freedom behind the pulpit is in danger. But listen, we, we can talk all we want to about the, the freedoms of religion being taken. But every time I disobey God, my freedom's being taken. Every time I, I, I turn away from God, I'm giving my freedom up in some area of my life. And, and I found this guy, Alan Wolf. He works at the Boston Institute. And he's written books from the 1900s about the church. And, and, and I found this article. He wrote this book in, in, in 2008. And listen, he named this book... The transformation of religion, but he want, this is what he wanted to name it. The taming, the taming of religion. I'll settle down now. Don't preach again. This is, let me tell you what he says. He says, the religion in America is declining because it's, it's being transformed. But it would be a mistake to say that religion that we had as old time religion still exists. For many people talk of religion, but they don't want the hellfire and brimstone or the sin-filled religion exist in opposition to the culture. The 50s religion, the baby, baby boomers religion, and the post-baby boomers religion, it's all similar except they choose what they want. The transformation or the taming of American religion. It's a greater degree of tolerance and thinning out. Listen to what he writes here. Thinning out religious content. Oh, let's just water it down. 
Let's don't talk about those issues because it's going to get somebody upset. Don't want to go back and read books by Charles Finney or A.W. Tozer or, or, or Spurgeon or none of them because, because that's, the, that's old-fashioned. That preaching against sin, it's old-fashioned. Let's water it down. Our society has committed themselves a separation in state. And they have no idea of the long-term consequences. The American culture has caught up with the American religion. And now the culture of America is stronger than its religion. And Paul says, don't be conformed to this culture. It's gone from something you inherit or something your parents gave you that you, you learned in school, you, you gave to your kids. You were shaped by it. You're married because of it. You raised your kids in it. But now it's left up to you to make up the decision whether you want to be a Christian or not or what religion to you is. More and more Americans and religion is something that at a certain point in their life they must decide to choose what they believe, not what they re heard from their parents. Now it's people who choose this churches like they do country clubs is what he wrote here. We've become a nation of switchers, a nation of free agents. And then listen to what this man says. I want to use the phase, phrase of balance of power. The power used to be with the clergymen. When they would preach, the people would listen and the, preach, the people would absorb what the preacher is saying. But now there's been a balance of power and a change to where now the power belongs to the congregation and the pastor must listen to what the people want the pastor to preach. Tell me what I want to hear. It's hard to keep old-fashioned notions of sin alive. How can you attract people that way? And he said... As a teacher myself, I call the salvation inflation. He says you can compare it to grade inflation. You teachers know what this means. I've been a college professor for over 30 years. Grade inflation is what happens when for over 30 years you ask students to do less work but make higher grades. Salvation inflation is what happens when people can do less but expect to be rewarded more. He says I hear all the time people with a cliche, what would Jesus do? He said, I wish the church would understand what would Jesus think instead of doing only thinking like Jesus also. Now, what's interesting about this man is that he's not a Christian. He studies religion. He's written a number of books. And he goes in as a non-believer to study churches and congregations. And he's got a better, better point of view than we, the church, do. We talk about losing our freedom in the pulpit, but... We lose that when we become just a society and it's all about books on how to build mega churches when we're supposed to be building mega people. You know, it's easy to come to church and desire God therapy. I want you to tell me, always tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me how to fix me, how to fix me, how to fix me, how to fix me. And, and, and I believe in counseling, but I believe he's the wonderful counselor. Thank God for counseling. But listen, we come for God therapy when I think we need knife therapy. I think we need it cut out and not tapered over. I mean, listen, I, I love a lot of these preachers. And like you, I, I, John Osteen, Joel's dad, was my pastor. I love Joel Osteen. But I want to tell you something. It's just not a matter of standing up there and saying, this is my Bible. I am what it says that I am. I have what it says I have. Well, you know what? Bible also says you're an adulterer 
This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I'm an adulterer. I don't need you to band-aid me and tell me I've got better days. The Bible says that if you sin, you'll go to hell. I don't need somebody water-coating it and just thinning it out and telling me, oh, it's okay that you live this lifestyle and you live that style. It's politically correct. No, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. This word never changes. God never changes his mind. When we're going to pursue God and we get in his word and we explore, start exploring his word. Listen, I hope you don't come in here for therapy and that, okay, well, I'm okay. No, you may have to get out of some relationships. You may get hurt in some areas. But hurt, I'm going to show you, hurt is good. Where you point that knife is good. And like any preacher, I'm not wanting to run anybody off i want to see the church is grown and i want to see it grow i want to see a grow a grown church but how can i face god being a politically community correct pastor and you don't ever touch on the wages of sin on the on, on what the bible says about these different things and who am i to preach if i don't try to live by myself We're worried about the government. I'm worried about the church. The government would never be where it is if the church would have been where it should have always been. We can't blame the government. 1958, when we won the world war and, we, and they put the separation of church and state, even the countries in Europe went, ooh, we would never have done that. And we were more Christian than Europe. But Europe said we would never separate God and state. But America did. And then Lyndon B. Johnson really did it. And all down the line it was more separate, separate, separate. Where our fathers are the one, our forefathers are the one who gave us a nation under God. So these are serious times, but the pursuit to desire him, to go after him. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. What did I do, Greg? I shot something. Look at this. There's a huge door of opportunity for work has opened up here. Thank God work has opened up here. Glory to God. But there's also a mushrooming opposition. And when I saw the mushroom, I thought of the atomic bombs. And that's what we're facing today. Everywhere we turn, the media or government or this or that, there's atomic bombs going off. And there's great doors of opportunity. And, and the Lord is behind those doors to lead you into your future. But in front of those doors are demonic bouncers. And they go, you want in this door? You got to get through me to get, out this, get through this door. Are you hearing me, church? You want to get in your vision? You want to get in your ministry? You want to get in your place? And they're not some little demons like the people draw. They're not some little monkey looking things. They're nine feet tall. They were angels. I mean, everybody's got the idea angels are nine feet tall and demons are two feet tall. They didn't shrink. Maybe when they hit the earth, they did a little bit. But anyway, they're like bouncers standing in front of the door. Oh, you want to get into your future? Go through me. Take me out. You want to get through this door? Take me out. Paul says, I want to go through these doors, but there's opposition. There's going to be opposition. It's going to get ugly sometimes. 
But it's these moments where I, I need something to happen in my life. Listen, you, you got iPhones and iPads and computers. How many of you ever turn your computer or iPad on and it says, you are available for a new upload? Anybody? You've seen it on TV maybe. You're available for a new upload. And you press, okay, accept. And all of a sudden you see the line. And you upload it. Well, listen, to get through that door, I need a new upload. I've got to get something fresh from the Holy Spirit because I'm getting ready to go into the battle of my life. He's out to knock me out. And I, I need a download from God. I need something to help me. And someone said the other day how technology, technology is getting better and better and better. Listen, I want to tell you something. When I'm talking about things are bad and this is how the country is and this and that and the other, th there's a hope for America. It's called revival. Listen, I love the Avengers when uh, that puny little God, God, Thor's brother said, we got an army. And, and uh, Iron Man said, we have a hope. Well, I love it when the devil says, I got a host of devils. But the church says, but we got God. We've got the name. We've got the blood. We've got the word. We're the ones who's going to stand Wendy. And when you hear all about how, oh, they've got this, they got that. We, do, we still have God on our side. We need a download of that. But I want you to see something here. Look at John chapter 6 verse 43. You're not in charge here. Hallelujah. Thank God I don't have to be in charge. But Mr. President, you're not in charge either. Congress and Senate's not in charge. God's in charge. And look what it goes on to say. The Father who sent me is in charge. He draws people to me. Lord, draw our family to you. That's the only way you'll ever come. Listen to this. Only then do I do my work putting people together. Oh, this is how he puts you together. Buy the books, buy the tapes, get help. Yes, do that. But how does he put you together? Here it says, sitting them on their feet, ready for the end. This is why the prophets went when they wrote. And they will be personally taught by God. Anyone who has spent any time at all listening to the Father, and I love that, really listening, therefore learning, comes to me to be taught personally to see to it with his own eyes and hear it with his own ears. There's a lot of people who listen, but here Jesus is emphasizing, really listening. Not on the back, back there texting. Not back there seeing... Who, who, who's, who, who wants to befriend me on Facebook? Y'all don't think I see. I don't. But the ushers do. God does. May he breaketh thy Facebook. Anyone who comes listening to the Father, really listening and learning, will be taught personally by God. I can't do nothing. I can't preach, teach. I, 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 I encourage you, but God is the teacher. His word, word downloads exactly what you need at the time you need it. Learning. The prize of the encounter 
is to get the prize and getting an encounter with God. And I love the definition with the word encounter. It means one personality, listen, one personality totally taking over another's personality. When I got born again, I just didn't get saved from hell. I opened my heart and said, take me over. I want to have the personality of Jesus. I want to be taught by him. I want to be like him. I want to follow him. Take over my personality. So many of us, we get sanctified and we get satisfied. And so, you know, that's all, Lord. I don't want to change anymore. He says, well, you're not going to. Sit at my feet. Listen. But Lord, I'm so angry right now. I, I opened that door for you to be angry because I want you to see you how I see you. But I don't want to be hurt. But you need to be hurt. You need to be offended. You need to be offended. Because I'm going to push you in a corner because it's only when you're in a corner at that door of opportunity the meat in you is going to come out. Or the devil in you is going to come out. You're either going to turn Jesus or Medea. You choose. You're either going to say, peace be still, or peace be still. It's going to... A personal encounter, God, God taking over. How many know when I make a confession, Lord Jesus, come to my heart. It's not just a personal confession to be saved. It's about I want to know you and continue to know you. Like I told you, you don't want to be married to a wooden Indian. You don't want an emotionless marriage. God doesn't want an emotionless son or daughter. He wants us to have an encounter with him. Why? An encounter produces, write this down, an exchange. An exchange. That's why we sing, I'm a lover of his presence. I come into his presence to worship him because I want an exchange. I want to exchange who I am for him. I told you that I'm a deer hunter now because I Googled it. It's kind of like singles telling, well, when I get married, this is how my marriage is going to be. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. My wife's going to be like this and like this and like this and like this and like this. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I Googled marriage. I Googled the word submission. That's going to be a good encounter. That's going to be a good exchange. Pow! Or it's like single parents saying, and when we have kids, they're going to sit down, they're going to have their hands crossed, they're going to have their Bibles open, and they're going to be going, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. They're never going to be like those kids that sit down, and they're just sitting there, and they're just like, will you hurry up and get over with? That's how, my, how kids are going to be. My kids won't be like that. So how are you going to raise them? I'll Google it. How are you going to have the perfect marriage? I'll buy Cosmos and the National Enquirer. That tells me how to have a happy marriage. Yeah. That's a band-aid, dude. We need a knife. I need an encounter. I need someone. This is where we have to be, church. In the end times... He wants to teach us why. Because the world's going to want to listen to somebody who knows. Not about facts, not something they read, but somebody who knows. 
It's like when you go in a store, and I'm not going to mention which store, but you go in there, and you ask them a question, and they go, no, we don't have that. No, we can't do that. And when you get at a certain age, you know, over 40, 50, you kind of go, uh, so you can't do that? No, we cannot do that. Can I speak to the manager, please? Can I speak to someone who knows what they're talking about? Can I speak to someone with experience? And that's where the church is in America. He's wanting us to get back to an encounter, to have an experience to where when the world says, what do we do? We have answers and we're not quoting somebody's book. We have personal experience. This is how God did it for me. This is how God delivered me from cigarettes. This is God delivered me from drugs. This is how God delivered me from alcohol. This is how God got me out of that relationship. And you can tell out of experience because we could say here, read this book, and it may help them, but when you tell them your testimony, that's what's going to set them free because it's the truth that helps you set you free. Because if you go to the Christian, if you go to uh, Books a Million, they'll have Christian books, but also there's New Age books, and it's all they're getting it more and more and more all crossed in there. And when you think you're buying a Christian book, it's really a deceptive book, a New Age book. It's an Angel of Light book. It's a lie book. And you buy that and you read that. And if you're not grounded in the Word, you're liable to believe anything. And you'll be going to India to listen to some guru. Oh, but he speaks of peace. And I've learned to calm my heart rate down. And I just love everybody. I got daisies. I've sat with people on the plane, and they're Christian and Buddhist because we're one. We got one God. No, we don't. There's only one God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's all. That's all. Even the Word says, the Word says, don't be going through, don't be looking at horoscopes. What can the dead tell the living? The Bible says that. When my horoscope told me, well, go get a Chinese cookie after church. Maybe they'll tell you something new. You're definitely looking for some type of answer. You ever thought about hearing from God? Yeah, but God told me I had to quit dipping. No wonder it's so easier to go and listen to a horoscope or something like that because when you go to God, He says, yeah, we want to talk about a situation. Okay, new God. New church. I heard they're handing out pumpkins at the other church. I'll go down there. We're preaching on Sunday about freedom because of where we've gone. And this man, who's not even a Christian, has seen things. But let me tell you something. He goes to Egypt, and he goes to Turkey, and he goes to those Muslim countries, and he asks, listen, 99% of the people, Islamic people, 99% believe in God. And he wrote another book, and he said the next war, he said the most passionate wars ever fought is over religion. 
And he says, the next world war is going to be over religion, but this time it's going to be done with nukes. Can you imagine passionate people, aren't we seen in the Middle East? Passionate people who are not afraid to blow themselves up. Who want to do every, get their hand on everything they can because they want to win no matter what and they're told to win at taking the other's lives. We need some experience. Job said, I'd only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my eyes. Now I see you. Now I can be healed of losing my seven children and everything that I have. Now I can be healed of all these boils and everything in my life because I, I was living on what I heard, but I never saw you. And now that I saw you, you can have it all. Now that I saw you, you can have all of me. Because once you get a glimpse of Jesus, he takes it all. Look what David said in Psalms 147.5. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. He wants to be explored. I shared that with you. Paul shouted out that I may know him. Say that with me. That I may know him. Shout it out that I may know him. Now tell it to the Lord may, that I may know you. That I may know you, Lord. That I may know you. That I may know you. That I may really know you. Not about you. I want to know you. I don't go to church to know about you. I don't read my Bible to know about you. I want to know you, God. I want to be one of your personal students. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and be conformed to your death. To know him and is inexhaustible. The angels cry out every time they look at him. They cry out over and over again. Holy, they see something new about God. There is so much more about God we've got to get a hold of, church. To pursue Moses says, show me your ways, O God, by showing me your glory. I'm going to follow the tracks and the signs. I want to follow you. I don't want just God therapy for my life. Listen, you know what I feel? When, pe when uh, I counsel a lot of people, a lot of times when they come, I say, okay, if I'm going to counsel you, you need to go in the prayer room an hour and spend an hour in prayer before you see me. Because what can I tell you that God cannot tell you? I'm, plus, I'm not a counselor. Go in the prayer room. Spend time with God. Get some God therapy. Let Him speak things to your life. Let Him go into areas of, of your life and, and, and receive what He wants to tell us to cut those parts out of me. Because you know how the scripture says, out of ashes, ashes comes out of beauty? Our beauty comes out of ashes? Therapy is not going to pick your ashes and build something new. Only you praying and praising and knowing God is going to make something in the ashes turn beautiful. It's when I'm in my ashes. It's when I'm in my mourning. It's when I'm in my suffering. When I, it's when I'm in my confusion. When I'm in my pain. It's in the ashes that something starts rising up and building and taking hold of me. Look what Jesus told the disciples in Matthew. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Lord, go to work on us. Anyone who attends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Self-sacrifice. Well, we don't hear about that. To find your true self. 
What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What would you trade your soul for? Don't be in such a hurry to go into business for yourself. Before you know it, the Son of Man will arrive with all the splendor of his Father, accompanied by angel of armies, uh, army of angels, and you'll get everything you got coming to you. Ooh, I don't know if I want everything. You'll get everything coming to you. Wow. What profit? What profit? As we get ready to take communion in a few minutes, but, but, but we're not there yet, I, I want you to see something about Learn from me self-sacrificing. And, and, and what it made me think of, and I want to share with you the story of Abraham and Isaac. I want you to imagine, how many grandparents do we have here today? Listen, I've already started seeing, when you speak to a grandparent, their eyes light up about their grandkids. I think the grandparents love their kids more than the parents do. Parents want to give their kids away. Grandparents want to take them and go, have you seen my angel? And the husband, the, the daddy's saying, he's a devil. Grandparents love their babies, their grandkids. I believe Abraham was like a grandpa when he had Isaac. He was old and they were bored and they were alone. All of a sudden, here comes a little laughter. Hey, Isaac, hey, laughter. And he's just loving the kid and he just loves Even God said, oh, he loves his kids so much. He spoke about him. He says, you know what? God, God spoke about that Isaac's going to be the stars of the heaven. That in Isaac, all the nations are going to call him blessed. And he had all these prophecies. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you to take Isaac, the child you love. I want to take what you love the most. And I want you to point a knife at its heart. And I want you to kill that which you love the most. But God, you said the star spoke about him. God, you said that you loved, you, you loved him and that you wanted us to have this as a blessing. Lord, I'm old. Take me. No, no, take Sarah. Isaac has all of his life ahead of him. Don't ask me to give up my vision. Don't ask God to give up my prophecy. Don't ask me to give up my vision, my dream. Don't ask, God, don't ask me to give up what I want the most. God, don't ask me. He says, I cannot compete with any other love. I'm all or nothing. And if he's in the way, then I want you to take him. And he says... Take your son, your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and you go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering there on one of the mountains that I point him out to. When God puts us in a corner, when we're about ready to lose, especially, I'm talking to some singles here, especially when God puts us in a corner and he says, sweetheart, it's either him or me. But if you stick with him, you lose me. Kids, it's either me or those friends. But it's not me and them. It's only me or it's only them. And that he gets you to the point where you have to travel the three days, build the altar, put the stones on top, put the wood... Put, bound your son, put your son, and point the knife towards that which you love the most, and he knows it. It's when you hurt, you are hurting the most, because I believe Abraham experienced the anguish that Jesus did in the garden. 
Can you imagine the tears and the heart cry? Can you imagine the pain? Because he was willing to do it all the way. And that's where God tests us to see. We'll say we'll give it, but the test is, are you going to go all the way and give it all the way? Are you going to give it all the way up? Are you going to keep it there just in case? It's always there to go back to. They're always there to go back to. I'll feel incomplete without them. He says that I'll never be able to fill you and you won't experience me. As long as that which causes you joy and laughter is between us, you'll never experience the fullness of this joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh. I know he's your first love, but he's going to take what is in your life and then he'll turn it and he'll better say, now I know I'm your first love. And the angel of the Lord spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham. I swear, God's sure word. Because, look at this. Because you have gone through with this. Just write, just let your heart open up. Because you have gone through with this. I'm deleting your number from my cell phone. I'm deleting your email addresses from my computer. I cannot speak to you anymore. I'm not your Facebook friend. Don't want you coming to my work anymore. Don't you give me any gifts anymore. Because you have gone through this and it hurts. How can I live without them? Learn to live with me. Don't sell yourself short for those things. It goes on to say, and have not refused to give me your affair. Your addiction. You have not refused to give up that desire. Your son. Your love. Your dear, dear son. I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. Pursuit brings promotion. As I, as I study him and as I, 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 I go out and I, I look for him and I, and I study him and I, and I, I pursue him and I have, uh, I, have an, uh, I have an encounter with him and I come to know him and he becomes that greatest love and desire and he starts leading me places. Listen, you may be in some area right now and I may be telling you something you know God is telling you. You've got to break it off. Listen, it's going to hurt. But when it hurts, it works. When it hurts, it works. We all have scars where God has told us, cut it off. That doesn't please me. But if it didn't hurt, you wouldn't have been in love with it. If it didn't hurt, it wouldn't have been part of you and grown as part of you. But when a relationship or when an, an addiction or something is a part of you and you cut it off, it hurts. But it's the things that hurt that helps us deal with the things we have to kill so that we can be resurrected. Death comes after resurrection. Being born again, being saved, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through the pain and agony of having something cut off of you. But if it's killing me, if it's breaking your heart, if it's quenching you, I want it cut out of me. If it's a cancer, get it out before it grows. If it's something that will destroy me, cut it off. If there's gangrene, 
It's going to hurt. They're going to hold me down while they're cutting it. But please take it off before it kills all of me. I'd rather lose part of me or part of them than to lose all of me. What is the roots of this country? It's not losing our freedom in the church. It's losing our freedom as believers. We're going to get ready to take communion this morning. And I pray that we do get awakened in our own personal lives. This is not a judgmental, condemnational message. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to the church. I'm preaching to us here. I'm preaching to our community. I'm preaching on the internet. But what stirs me up is they're asking us to talk politics today. I've heard all the politics I want to. Politics are not going to change things, but Jesus can. But for Jesus to do it, I've got to be in my place. We come today as we take the wafer a symbol of his precious body Abraham was given his son back he didn't have to go through the death but God's son went all the way through the suffering and the death his hands and his feet were nailed to the tree for you and me he took our punishment what I should have had what should have happened to me, what should happen to me was taken care of on the cross of Calvary. His body was so torn up and so broken, so disfigured, nobody could even tell that it was a man. This precious, innocent body, a lamb led to the slaughter. And as I hold this piece of bread in memory of your precious body, my Lord, I want to thank you that you loved us enough. That you went through the suffering and the hurt so that we could have an opportunity to live a life with you. Thank you that you took our sicknesses and our diseases and pains in your body. And as they opened your back with the plow, they opened your back with the whip, with the pieces of bone and glass and metal at the tips. And as they beat you entirely, with no compassion, no mercy. You took it looking at us today. And we praise you for that body. Thank you for taking that pain. Thank you for taking that suffering. Thank you for giving your life. And we don't take that lightly. You pursued me. Today, Father, after today, we want to pursue you. And that night, he took the bread and he broke it. And we pray that the strongholds over us, the things that have drawn our attention, be broken over us right now in Jesus' name. Everything that's been holding me back, everything that's been blinding me, everything that's been shielding me from, from encountering you, May be broken over my eyes. May, may the, bind, the blinders fall from my eyes and may my eyes see. May my heart leap as a finder. 
because of the encounter. May we have an encounter with you. And we take this bread right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your body that was given for us. In Jesus' name. As we get ready to take the cup, the worship team's going to sing a song about the pursuit. I want you to just meditate upon Christ and the words as they sing it here today.
I don't want to live without you, Jesus. I don't want to live another day, another minute without you. As we believers, as we take this cup and we get ready to take his blood, I want everyone examining their heart that if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give an altar call in just a moment for you to come up here. You don't want to live without him. There is no other way. There's no need to even search out other ways. He's everything. You'll find he's the only God who's ever given his life for his people. You'll never find more love, more compassion, more mercy than you will from this God, our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And this blood proves, it proves His love for you. His blood that washes away all of our sins. And He took the cup and He blessed it. He says, take this in remembrance of the forgiveness, the erasing, and the forgetting of all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. you stand please as believers just raise your hands to our precious God and just praise for his life, his love, his forgiveness his mercy and his greatness I don't want to live satisfied I don't want to be like that woman we read about in Song of Solomon last week that she was comfortable and didn't want to get uncomforted she wanted to be disturbed it's not a good time no it is a good time it is the time of salvation if you're here today just turn some lights on and I'm going to give it all to call if, you do, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus would you come up here right now or maybe you've known him but you've wandered away from him you've, you've gotten off the path and you want to come back home today just come up here today just come right now just, just come. come come meet me right here at front And let's pray the prayer of salvation. Come home. Come home, believer. Come home, Christian. Come on, friend. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Come and stand right here. God bless you, young man. Bless you. Anyone else today? You can just face me. Just face me. Thank you for coming. Anyone else? anyone else today you ready to surrender come 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 God bless you God bless you so so glad oh this is he came for you he came for you anyone else today God bless you sweetie God bless you God bless you if I could have some sisters and a brother come stand behind these please come Anyone else today, you need to give your life over to Christ, please. This is the most important part of the service. If you're here and you know you're not right with God, you can come make it right right now. Anyone else? These precious ones came forward. They know Jesus accepts them just like they are. And they're ready to surrender right now. If you're here and you know it's your time, come, come, come. Now's my time. I want to take it. I want this moment. I want this encounter. I want to have Jesus from today onward. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've wandered into the world. But today you can come back. Maybe someday you feel, I need to get out of the altar. Just, 
I, I need that fire relit in my life. I need that passion again. I need that passion, that drive, the desire to go after God with all of my heart and my soul. Lord, how I need you, how I need you. Even there at your seat, every one of us, Lord, we need you more. We need you in our lives. Cut out what needs to be cut out. Take what needs to be taken. For Lord, I trust you as my Father and my God. You know what's best. And you will never fail me. One last time, is there anyone else today? You need to surrender your life publicly to Christ Jesus. Anyone else? Praise you, Lord. God bless you. We all right here. We all look for at me for just a moment. He loves you, and He is the God that heals the wounds, makes new beginnings. He doesn't hold anything against you from this day forward. We're going to pray. It's going to take every wrong, every wrong, every sin, every evil. It's going to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness forever, never to remember it again. And you're leaving here new people. You're not the old person anymore. You're going to be new. And talk to him like you would a friend. He is your friend. Talk to him like you would a father. Like you would to your very best friend. Just open your heart and he hears you. Just open your heart and just share with him what you feel. Be honest with him. Tell him what you feel. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to touch you. And when you fall, when you sin, ask him to forgive you. But he will never turn you away. Now I want to invite you to put your hand on your heart. Because this is where his throne is. And he's going to move in. He's going to be your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says if we believe with our heart, confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. So would you say this prayer with me out loud? Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, I believe that you died in my place. And on the third day, you rose again. Come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord and my Redeemer. And I thank you. I am forgiven. I am a new person. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in heaven. And that's where I'm going to spend eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. It feels good, don't it? It feels good, don't it? God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Bless you, sweetie. Oh, hallelujah. Peace of the Lord. Peace of God. Lord, fill you. Everything, everything. It's all gone. It's all gone. Oh, Father, just feel her. Feel her overflowing. Feel her, Father. Feel her with your peace and your joy. Heal all the hurts and all the pains. Let that be the realization. It's all been wiped and washed away. And we give you praise and glory. Blessings in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise. Let's thank you for it. Hallelujah.